Blog Talk Radio. in 2020 with plans for a number of shows and uh, my first guest on the relaunch is my boss our founder of Sunbury Press Books the parent company Lawrence Knorr welcome to the show hey Tori glad to be here welcome back thank you and um, glad to be back and uh, well in the time that we have um, we've had an opportunity to touch base once again as uh, we enter a new year and uh, with regards to Sunbury Press Books and perhaps uh, the varied imprints, uh, perhaps you could give us a little overview of uh, what you see for the coming year. Oh, I'm I'm expecting a great year in 2020. You know, last year was an exceptional year for the company. We grew about 25 to 30 percent. I'm not sure on the final number yet, so it's somewhere in that range. But that's up. 25 to 30 percent in an industry that's generally flat or up only one or two percent. So it tells you that we're doing something right and we're growing, uh, not so much by adding more books to the list, but what's happened in the last year is we've been selling more of the books that we have on the list. So uh, that has a lot to do with improvements in our marketing, our communications, our media outreach. So where are we the first so many years of the press we really focused on producing quality books and learning how to format and design books properly in more recent years we've been focusing on finding readers and and expanding our outreach through distribution and supply chain opportunities so this year of course we've got our nine imprints we're planning over a hundred releases uh, divided up among those nine imprints, and we're hoping to have at least a 25%, if not a 50%, uptick in sales. And there's a number of reasons for that. Some some great things that we're going to be trying. And I mm-hmm. I won't <laughs> I won't take up the whole show talking about those, but just know that there's some some really cool uh, marketing opportunities coming up this year, and we're working hard on them. Well, that is something I definitely want to ask you about in a moment with regards to the outreach. In terms of the the greater success from 2019, do you think that there was anything that was happening in the industry trend-wise that might have helped us, might have been an influence in any way? Well, there's a couple things happening in the industry that are somewhat puzzling, and you know we we have been helped by it, and that is, you know, while we do publish ebooks for most of our titles. Ebooks have been down in recent years, and it's trade paperbacks that have been up in sales. And so that format, which we're very strong in, uh, has has done well. 
I think also our choice of categories. Uh, we while 60% of our releases are fiction, 60% of our sales are nonfiction, and we've continue to have a very strong nonfiction offering that's done well. Uh, I think it's the economy in general was very strong in 2019. Uh, certainly consumer confidence up, household incomes up, unemployment low. So all those things bode well for an economy and that's helped us too. But, you know, when you look at the overall publishing industry and see flat to low growth, and then you look at us and see really fast growth, you know, it does indicate we are differentiating ourselves in some way. I wish I could tell you exactly what it is that makes us more successful. I think it's a combination of maybe a half a dozen things, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was a great year. Well, you talk also about um, the outreach. Um, I'm interested in the uh, the plans for that because I'm going to be a part of that anyway. But it's also um, touching base is something that's always been a little difficult when I when I do events. As I've done I've done conventions and signings and events over the past three four years now, and it's really interesting because some I, I get a I get about a fifty fifty split when it comes to name recognition when when I say Brown Posey Press is the parent of Sunbury Press. 50% of people say, oh, I've heard of them. Or the others are like, oh, where are you from? And I you know, tell them where uh-huh. they're from and that kind of thing and what we do. And so um, is it is it really getting the recognition that, that we are a press that exists or is there – what what do we need to do to get hold of the, the book buyer and, and really get them to say, oh, well, I'm going to take a chance on this or, hey, I know who that is. Yeah. I'm going to get that. Well, there are a lot of a lot of things we can do and are doing. As far as the brand names, definitely Sunbury Press is growing in recognition. And I'm often told anytime I'm out speaking or meeting people and I say, I'm the founder and owner of Sunbury Press. And they're like, wow, you are? I've heard of them. You know, they're huge. <laughs> and I kind of chuckle because we're not huge. We have the, we have a long, in, you know, an increasing list of books, but you know we're still a small company, so it always cracks me mm-hmm. up when I hear that. But yeah, we're still a small company. But I guess among publishers, we're on the uh, more towards the medium-sized as far as our list and what we're doing. But outreach, you know, so the brand recognition is important, and I think that helps with bookstore buyers, for instance. So mm-hmm. you know, independent bookstores are more apt to to buy books that you know, to sell to their customers that they're familiar with the companies and they trust. So that's helped us. And when it comes to outreach, say to the media, we're, we're getting better at that. We use the decision platform to hit the three to 5 million people in the media in the United States. And we've got someone working that for us internally. So one of the things we decided a couple of years ago was instead of authors spending five, $10,000 on a publicist, we would hire a publicist and buy into this platform that would get access to, you know, all the famous people in the media down to the, the no names in the media. And you can segment it however you want. You can access people based on their interests or locations. And we've been really good with that. So that gets us access to the media, which gets us notice, um, you know, opportunities with radio, television, blogs, 
articles about the books, reviews about books, that tends to work really, really well with nonfiction and with fiction that has nonfiction hooks in it, like, you know, topics that might be of contemporary interest. Uh, outreach mm-hmm. for fiction is tougher, and that's where you need your your reviews building up, your uh, consumer reviews, ideally, something like Goodreads, Amazon, sites like that where people are, are uh, posting positive, generally positive reviews. Uh, help sales. Yeah, and that's one thing that the authors can do. I have to do it. I do it myself with varying success. Is you sort of have to prod your your friends, your readers, and say, listen, you know, buying the book is one thing, but that review is like gold, and to to get those in is 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 a good thing, and it's very gratifying when you when somebody you don't know has put something up that that's really nice. Yeah, yeah. I guess another thing we're doing is around. So even before they can write a review about it, they got to discover the book. Yes. And you know, one thing to have media helping people discover nonfiction. But having the discovery happen more organically, so we're looking at ways to improve the metadata about our books throughout the whole distribution chain. And we're going to be investing in some tools that help us do that. And we're working on a project right now. Can't say too much about it, but <laughs> just know that in the background we are re-engineering. It's like a whole new infrastructure behind our marketing platform. So mm-hmm. when we release a book or update information about a book, it will be distributed consistently throughout the whole book supply chain. So not only will the book printers and producers know about it, but all the people selling the books will know about it. And it will be a richer experience for the customer because they will get a better, more full, um, complete book description with reviews, with um, other information about a book, you know, definitely making sure a quality cover image is showing up. Um, mm-hmm. Any uh, information, biographies about the author, other works, comparable works, uh, that kind of information is all in, contained in this. So, what's cool about it is you set it up once per title, and then that information is distributed from that tool to the entire industry instead of having to go into each of your partners that you're working with copying and pasting and updating their information one and by this one. Has, yeah, yeah. And this has a lot it's just like it's like it's like every book's got its own press kit now. It's got its own uh-huh. intro kit. And that's that's cool. What really that's, turned that's, me on about it yeah. yeah, I saw a white paper and and uh it was a an unbiased industry white paper about book metadata in general without mentioning any tools. And it said when metadata is, when it has these elements in it, book sales are increased. So we looked at what we're consistently getting out to the market versus what this tool would get out. And according to, and it was Nielsen who put out this study, according to the Nielsen study, sales would double just based on the norms, you know, the statistical sampling they did, which was pretty broad. So having complete descriptions, complete metadata, complete and accurate keywords and categories, it's all that fundamental stuff. You know, we're going to be reworking and making sure that it's distributed everywhere consistently. 
according to Nielsen's projections, that should lead to a 2x effect on sales. Now, I don't expect that, but the fact that we're at the plateau we're at now, we had a great year last year without this tool. Now, add mm-hmm. that tool on top, and I would I would hope we get somewhere between 0 to 100% increase in sales. It puts you right around 50%. Um, that's still a huge success for the year if we would get anywhere near that. So um, not sure, you know, what to expect. So we're going to, we're going to try our best to get the most out of it that we can and see what happens. Well, I think that's certainly going to lead to confidence in, in the author having, having you in, you know, feeling like you really are in their corner, but I mean, you always were, but this sounds like a nice step forward. Now that leads me to my next question with regards to, we're looking at, the online buyers, you know, the people who purchase from Amazon, BarnesandNoble.com, and that kind of thing. And then, of course, there are the folks who go to the stores. Um, the future of the stores looks like such a mixed proposition because we're seeing indie stores pop up again, which is kind of cool. The independent, off, you know, operators, and we're watching the big ones like Barnes and Noble seem to be. Are they on the decline kind of thing? Are we having a focus toward one or the other? And what do you think the future is going to look like for the sh- for the physical brick-and-mortar shops? Yeah, a funny thing happened on the way to everything becoming electronic, and that's that the younger generation, which is a digital generation, rejected digital books for the most part. And my daughters, among them, uh, you know, they're now uh, 17 and 21, but even 10 years ago when they were much, much younger, they, they were saying to me, dad, I, I really like to read a paper book. And, you know, we had gotten them nooks so they could read yep. electronic books. And they did some of that, but eventually they lost interest in that. They don't read electronic books as much as they used to. And then, you know, knowing what, what I've seen and what and I heard throughout my travels, yeah, print is definitely still very strong. Now, Amazon's still selling half the books in the market, even the print books. That leaves half the market to the rest of the booksellers, and there has been a an increase in the number of independent bookstores. And I think it's because communities like having them. People like going to bookstores. People there's there's a a group of entrepreneurs that really want to have a bookstore setting. Uh, want to be in the industry. Now, the downside to that is bookstores tend to only make about 2 to 3% profit on sales after they mm-hmm. consider everything. So pretty tight margins. So they got to rely on volume. they got to rely on loyalty, um, you know, being smart about what they offer. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing is, you know, the stores are only going to stock what they are pretty sure they can sell. So an unknown like myself for a number of years would go into shops and talk to people and everything. And, and you would just sort of, you, you, you knew going in, it was going to be a difficult sell and you just, sometimes it's hit or miss and certain stores are very specialized in some areas and others, not so much, you know, they'll be a little more open-minded. Um, the thing I always wondered about was, Maintaining or even establishing a relationship with the big stores like Barnes and Noble, and I mean where we are in Pennsylvania, we've we've still got a few. And the new, the guy who used to run Waterstones, 
has been brought in as the new CEO, I guess, of Barnes & Noble, and he's got a reputation for turning moribund businesses around. I don't know how he's doing with Barnes & Noble, but it's is it worth us to try to establish that relationship and get some space or and or what kind of communication have you had with them? We have had a sort of an on again off again relationship with Barnes and Noble and it pains me to say that because mm-hmm. you know, we don't want to just be relying on Amazon as as the primary outlet for half the books in the market. So having a Barnes & Noble, which is the largest retailer for books out there and healthy and vibrant would just be a wonderful thing for the book trade. Mm-hmm. What this gentleman's doing is – his name is slipping my mind right now. I hate to admit that. But Mine too. He's, <laughs> he's bringing sort of, yeah, he's bringing in an independent bookstore approach, so allowing the bookstores to be more local. And also looking at having uh, more SKUs but less inventory. So it opens it up to someone like a Tory Gates, whereas before, just remember, in a a large Barnes & Noble bookstore, you have 50,000 to 100,000 SKUs. In other words, Mm -hmm. about that many books and other items that are for sale in a store. So let's say it's 50,000. That means your book needs to be in the top 50,000 of all books to have a great chance of getting into the store. Certainly has to be in like the top five to 10 in its category if it's not in the 50,000. So it's a pretty, pretty small window to try to fit in and really tough. And by taking this strategy of opening things up and trying to be more local and having more SKUs, but fewer books means that, um, a higher chance of local or regional authors getting opportunities in their local regional Barnes and Noble. And so that's entree into that platform. And then you do well in one store, maybe they go to adjoining stores, expand and, and, uh, and that increases from there. Now, what I will say is the strategy also led to more returns coming back to Sunbury Press from Barnes & Noble than we've ever gotten before. And that's because mm-hmm. while they increase the number of SKUs, they decrease the number of books. So a lot of the books that they had for a year or two on their shelves that didn't sell came back to us, boomerang back to us. So we, we have a little bit of excess inventory as we start the year and some mm-hmm. titles because of that. And again, kind of hit or miss sometimes. Yeah, One thing I sure. must ask about Lawrence in the time that we have, um, I had the great opportunity to sit down with Jennifer Capello, who uh, is taking over sort of as the boss kind of thing for uh, for Brown Posey Press. And I have to tell you, uh, I came away most impressed. And uh, maybe you could tell us a little about what Jen Jen brings to uh, to the company, and is she is she part of this new wave of the kind of um, approaches we're going to take. Tell us about her. Well, Jen is incredibly talented, very knowledgeable, well-educated, dedicated. Can't say enough good things about her. And she's been with us over nine years already, which is hard to believe. But 
she's played a, a number of roles for us over the years as we've grown. And now that we're at the point where we have imprints and we're trying to grow those imprints, we want to have some specialization within our team. And she has an interest in in the higher-end uh, literature that we want to put out through Brown Posey Press. So we're, uh, we talked about it. And I'm like, well, what's the difference? Because good stories are good stories. And I'm like, yeah, but so you have your, sort of your commercial fiction, and she's more focused on the writing at the sentence level is how we like to talk about it. So where we're looking at how paragraphs and sentences are constructed and the, the writing is just flows and it's really high quality writing and it's also a good story. She's setting a bar for what she wants to publish uh, and she's going to be managing that and selecting that, curating that and also seeing it come out. Uh, it's a different role for her because in the past she played the role of editor but mm-hmm. not the role of managing the process and now she's, she's doing that. So it's going to be a lot of fun for her and we look forward to her. Well, she certainly uh, has the energy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, I definitely, sure I was definitely appreciative of that. Um, I guess the main thing to close with, um, again, we are looking at um, it, it has the potential for a really bright future, and for the the person who's been working on that novel, or that person who's got one done but doesn't really know where to go. Um, the door has to be open for some of these undiscovered because I was one of them. And uh, what would you say to that person that's got the book ready to go, they think, or they're getting close to it, or they've got this idea that's rolling? What advice do you give to the, that prospective person, that prospective author? Number one, don't give up. Keep trying. Submit wherever you can, wherever you think they're interested. Definitely submit it to us. Go to www.sunburypress.com, do our call for authors, and get it into our queue. And if it's something that, you know, if we're talking about Brown Posey Press, Jen will be taking a look at it. Understand Jen's looking at 12 to 18 titles per year that she's going to put out, and probably half of them will be existing authors, half of them will be new. So there's, there's slots there for people who haven't been published before, and there always will be at our company because we – we like to have some entry-level authors, new authors, and also mid-list authors and experienced authors, kind of a nice mix. So I, I think it's one of our reasons why we've been successful is we've been open to to new material, new ideas, new people. It's, it's always kept us fresh and growing. So, And the Please other imprints are going to be open as well, too. Absolutely. Yep. Same, same story there. All right. My guest has been Lawrence Knorr, who is the uh, head of and the founder of Sunbury Press Books. Thank you for your time, Lawrence, and uh, here is to a uh, bright 2020. Am I right? Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Terry. Great to be on. Thank you. You've been listening to the Brown Posey Press Show. I am your host, Tori Gates, author of the Brown Posey Press release, Searching for Roy Buchanan. Its sequel, Call It Love, part of the Sweet Dream series, is coming out later this year. Thank you for being with us. This is the Book Speak Network. <laughs>